Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus. It is going to be episode 352 coming to you on February the 9th. And today we're going to talk about what do they want? (laughs) And when I say they, I really mean the next generation or the generation after next, being that I'm a Gen X and Quite frankly, our whole meme about our existence is we just don't care and we're going to watch it all burn. Um, Yeah, that may be true as a generation, but for myself, I'm just not content to let that happen. I I still subscribe to the notion that one man can make a difference. Maybe it's all the television shows I watched in the 80s, or maybe it's just uh, my upbringing, but I just don't want to let go. I don't want to walk away. I don't want to pretend there's nothing that can be done. I'm not going to black pill. Though I should also say that I'm far from a white pill. I I think there are a lot of problems. There are some that are uh, probably never going to be overcome in my lifetime or in several lifetimes. But I think there's a lot of things that are salvageable. There are a lot of things that can be recovered but it's going to require some effort. So for those of you that don't know, I did spend some time working with youth um, up until pretty recently. And I have some relationships with those uh, young men that are now adults. And I have talked to them after they graduated high school. And I asked them over a course of a couple of years, what is it that you want? What is it you're looking for? And I will give you a generalized philosophy that I have interpreted from the various responses I have received, and I won't put words into any one specific person's mouth, but I will give you the idea that this is a generational thought process, right? And if I get it wrong, it's just my interpretation of events. And like everything else in my show, it's what do I think? And what does the information I'm taking in make me think? Or what does the observations I'm taking translate into? What do I see? So again, this is just one man's opinion, one man's understanding of what's going on. So take it for what you will. And as always, do your own research. So I think think this is not so much the millennials, they are they're their own special thing, right? This more has to do with the generation Y and Z. And I remember distinctly that the generation Y was often memed with somebody just asking why. And I don't think that's the case. I think it's more of a quandary that both of those generations, which I kind of lumped together anyway, and my understanding is they want to know what the truth is. They want to have a direction. They they want to be led to do something that matters, to be involved in something. They want to see results for what they're doing. I think that's pretty cool. I mean, that, that's a mindset I have. I, I want to be able to see the outcome of what I'm investing in. I, I, so I, I, I get along with that. I, I 
a grok that, if you will. It makes sense. It's understandable. And I applaud them for being honest enough to just say, I, what I want to do, I want it to matter. And for those of you that know millennials, that's actually a millennial thing too, right? They, they want to do things, but they only want to do things if it's going to matter. So again, I, I have hope and I have a desire to help them get there. The other thing I noticed is they want legit rules. Now you may have heard me riff on the idea of there are rules for thee and rules for we many, many times. And these young people, they see it firsthand. They, they freely acknowledge that there are a whole lot of people that don't live by the very rules that they push upon us. Whether it's what some of us might uh, quantify as that 1% or whether it's just administrators at some level of um, authority. They're not buying it. If you're going to have something, it needs to be consistent. Again, that, that's a good thing. I, I desire that too. But for them, it's everything they see. It's unbalanced. And I think what's interesting is these are the same young people that have been fed a diet of CRT of SEL, of all all this stuff where they're supposed to feel guilty for who they are or who they were born to or what nation they live in. And they're just not quite buying it. They have their doubts. Now, granted, this isn't every kid. It's not every young man or young woman. Uh, Not the entirety of this generation has come to this place yet, but there are some and they're going to bring their friends along sooner or later. They do want for things to be consistent. They want for things to be real. They want a tangible representation of what's going on. These are the same people that are being fed a digital world. These are the same people that are escaping into a digital world because they see how jacked up the analog world is to borrow a phrase from Michael Fallon. And as a little pause here. If you don't know who Michael O'Fallon is, I suggest you look him up. He has his own podcast and show he does under the title Sovereign Nations. Very enlightening stuff. Very interesting. Don't know that I agree with everything, but like everything else, you need to be able to dissect and absorb other people's opinions and thoughts about things so that you can improve your own. One of the things they're talking about is the idea that they want to replace the analog world, the tactile world, with a digital replacement. I think they call it a simulacrity, but I probably just butchered that. But the idea being is they want to create a replacement world that, quite frankly, isn't real, but they're going to train people to act as if it is real. That should be very concerning. And what I find most interesting is while a lot of these young men that I know like to play their games, they know firsthand that it's just a game. And while some of them probably spend far more time investing in that game than what they could be doing in real things, they know it's still just a game. 
The other thing I think they want is a future. They want to be able to know there is a future. And the sad thing is, is from the time that I was a child, it's been one panic or one cataclysmic event away from the end of all that we know on earth. I mean, whether it was global cooling, global warming, climate change, climate disaster, you know, the world's on fire, uh, we're all going to die, nuclear destruction, the eve of destruction. It's been something for the last 50, 60 years, always something. Well, when you bring up generations of people that don't expect to have a future, that puts them in a rather pessimistic mood. It doesn't make them want to really do anything. And when we go back to the previous episode, it's like, why would I invest in being a father or a man? Why why would I want to do anything heroic if nothing matters? Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you it is my thought that those that would seek to rule us do that on purpose. They, they seek to take anything of any value out of our life. They want to put us into a point where we're ready to give up. We're ready to just sit down and let it all happen. Well, I got to tell you, I'm not there yet. I'm not willing to do that. So it's a future. And they seek knowledge. They want to know more. And they really want to know what's real. And they want to know, is there objective truth out there? They've been told for most of their lives that everybody has their own truth. They've been told that basically wrong is right and right is wrong and up is down and down is up and women can be men and men can be women. And and they have had all of that reality broached. It's been destroyed. It's been infected with garbage. You know, as a young man, there was a phrase, garbage in, garbage out. It was used for many different things. But the idea was it was in computer programming. If you give bad code, the output is going to be bad. So I wonder, is this intentional? I wonder if they're giving these people, the generations past mine, a bleak future or no future so as to defeat them before they ever grow into adulthood. And I wonder, how does that happen and how do we as parents or grandparents tolerate this and go along with this? But what have we been doing? What are we doing? What can we do? Well, funny you should ask. I've talked about this from time to time, right? This whole parallel society, a a parallel network, uh, an alternative opportunity for people, right? Well, you can't do that if you're not willing to make a sacrifice. You can't do that if you're not willing to give up a little something. You can't do that if you're not willing to think beyond yourself and do beyond yourself. And what's interesting is even when I read some, uh, you know, we'll just say it, Ayn Rand books, the idea was is there's a virtue of selfishness, right? People are motivated by their own selfishness. Now, whether or not you think that's fair, whether or not you think it's real, there is something to that, right? Many, many people, their first question is, is what's in it for me? What do I get out of this? That's a very good question. And if that's what motivates you, I have an answer for you. What it gets you is for your next generation, your children, your grandchildren still have a world to grow up in. They still have opportunities presented to them. Your life, 
fed into the life that followed yours. Even if you reject the idea that we are all here on the basis of the creator God, and we're supposed to worship in many ways, shapes, and forms over the time of our lives and to bring new uh, generations in to follow us to do the same. There are so many of the things that go on and so many other things that are part of that, that even if you reject that, that doesn't mean that there's nothing for you to do. There's, there's nothing that can take place. There's nothing of import. There's no value. That's not true. There is, there is a value. I mean, even in my darkest hour, my darkest time. And I thought to myself, why do I do this? Is this even making a difference? You know, maybe I've been there for two minutes or maybe I've been there for two hours or two days and that time passes and I, and I come to the realization that even though that's being put upon me, it's not something I seek out or desire. Negative thought is never something that you want to dwell in long-term, but it's inevitable. It's going to come upon you from time to time. It's, it's inevitable that at some point you're going to feel oppressed or depressed. That's not the end of the world. It's what you do with it when you're done with that. It's how you process through it. It's, it was what comes next. And I'm here to tell you that when we have imputed the, our darkest feelings on an entire generation or two and basically leave them with the idea that there is only a bleak future, why would we be surprised that they take it seriously? Why are we, why are we appalled that <laughs> our own actions, or in my case, some of our inaction in the opposing this has had the intended effect that somebody wanted. Why does that surprise us? And yet here it is. So they seek knowledge. They want to understand. They want to know what's what they want to believe. There's an objective truth and a reality, but we keep telling them there's not. So, and as an interesting consequence, these young men, that I spent time with over a number of years when they graduated, some drifted into what I would call probably not an ideal thing for them to be doing at their age, but not unexpected. And certainly back in the day, they might've called it sowing their oats, something that the church or even myself recommended that they don't do but the the phrase boys will be boys didn't come out of nowhere, right? I I mean, there were plenty of stupid things I did as a young man. Fortunately, really only one of them had a long-term negative effect. But I like to believe I've overcome that at this point in my life. I don't think these guys have done anything that would be permanently damaging. And a number of them that I talked to... I was surprised and shocked that they went so far as to reject the pop of Christianity, right? The, the, the lighthearted, happy, smiley, um, God is love routine from the Christian church, right? The evangelical church, they call it big Eva sometimes. They, they rejected that, and at least two of these young men have drifted into the idea that, yeah, 
we want to be orthodox. We want something with more meat on the bone. We want something with some tradition. We want something with some value, some eternal muscle. Something where there's more to it than just the fluff. Then I've got a couple of guys that they haven't gone that route, but they are really disappointed with what evangelical Christianity has to offer. Now, I know, look, I know some of you, maybe this isn't your thing, but just bear with me here. There is a there is a larger, deeper point here. But the point is, they want something more firm, more established, more defined, something stronger, something, if you're going to put your faith and base your life and how you live off of something, you want something that is more robust than the fluff that unfortunately many of us get on Sunday mornings or even on the radio programs, right? I mean, I've heard the phrase Egypt evangelifish. I think uh, Douglas Wilson maybe gets credit for coining that term, certainly for popularizing it. I think it's very true. I mean, if, if our churches, our modern churches keep caving in and keep twisting and turning to the latest thing from our culture and changing their understanding of doctrine so that, well, you know, we want to be the nice guys because, you know, God is love and there's no real sin here. It's, you know, we're, we're just going to reinterpret what sin is. That's not impressive. It's not impressive to me and I'm a middle-aged guy, but I'm really hearkening no, I don't want to say that. I'm very enthusiastic that a number of the young men that I spent time with have come to reject that as banal, as facile, as just no, they're there. They want something more. They they want something that's going to get them through the rest of their life, something to lean on when things get tough. They want something stronger and more firm and something to base their belief system and their lives on than some little fluffy, little happy-go-lucky, 30-minute sermon once a week that has no eternal value to them. And I shouldn't be rude to say it's no eternal value. They just don't see it. They want something more. They want something deeper. So they want direction. Right? They they want to know what's right. What's the ideal? What should they strive for? Well, I see that. That's every generation wants it. They want to have legitimate rules that are consistent and that everybody is expected to follow. And they get tired of all these cutouts and set-asides and this pretending that, well, that doesn't apply to that person. They want to see a future and they want to know that they have a future to invest in, to make the most of. And they really just want to know what is real, what is firm, what can I base my life on? In short, they're just like every generation before them. That's why I have hope. That's why I consider myself fortunate to have been able to invest in young men's lives prior to them going off to college. Now, I know some of them will get lost in college. Some of them will get twisted in college. But I'm hoping they'll come through that and they'll return back to their roots. They'll come back to what is real and what matters. That they'll 
return to those permanent things. And those that are fighting the good fight and continuing to do that which is right currently, right now in the midst of all of that, I'm very enthusiastic. I'm very happy to, to know this. It's encouraging. It reminds me that this time, this this investment, the, the sacrifice, if you will, that I put in of my time and efforts, it's paying off because there's a half a dozen or a dozen young men out there. They're just a little bit stronger, just a little bit more firmly planted in their faith, in their understanding, in their way going forward. So even if you're willing to set aside and you reject Christianity, you should know these same guys, they have firm beliefs in other things too. They they have a, an investment in their country. They have an investment in their culture. They desire to be, do better for themselves and their families. I see the two as intrinsically combined, but I know there are some people that, you know, they got hurt or maybe they're upset or disappointed. I get that. I've been through some of that. Western culture is based largely on the work that good Christian men put in it. And we can pretend it's not there. We can pretend that was minimal. We can pretend a lot of different things. But without that Christian faith, without those building blocks in place, we wouldn't be where we were, which is to say, it is restorable. It can be redone. It can be rebuilt. That's what Nehemiah is all about. And hopefully, just hopefully, these same young men, when they finish college and they come back into my orbit, when they come back into town and I can spend time with them, we can go back and look through Nehemiah and I can remind them of things we talked about when they were still in high school and hopefully bring them back into the fold and give them something to look forward to and build on for the rest of their lives. Whether they go completely independent, I never see them again, much like some of the people I mentioned yesterday, or they stick in town and they get invested and they get involved in what goes on in their own local community here. There is a way forward. We can do this. We have to put in the effort. Yes, there's some benefit and there's some ease to doing it separate and apart from the culture and from the system as it exists now and honestly at some point in the near future we may have no choice but to do that but right now right now i choose to be faithful and i choose to be cheerful and i choose to be quite frankly hopeful that the future that's coming can be brighter than what it is right now and i'm asking you Set aside your fear. Set aside your angst for the youngest generation or for the next youngest generation. The millennials will come around in their own time. The Y and Z, I have hope. You should have hope. All is not lost. It can be recovered. I had once heard that it only took 12 And what's funny is it really was 11 and they added a 12, but it only took 12 men to change the world. All 12 of those men ultimately paid the price of changing the world with their lives. I shouldn't say all. I think one escaped on Patmos, if I remember correctly. And then many people that followed them paid a similar price. They built up a culture. They built up a civilization off of their efforts. It can be done. It can be rebuilt. 
All is not lost. Don't fret. Stay faithful. Continue to do the job. One hand on a shovel and one hand on the sword. Strictly metaphorically speaking here, folks. We can do this. It can be done and shall be done. Don't give up. I've told you what they want. Yesterday I told you what it takes. And we'll see what comes on Friday. (laughs) Until then. It was a little short today, but until then, I will see you on the other side.